This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to our show. Um, after some conversation last week, Tony, we got a caller. Um, and the caller left a, two messages. And I thought I'd play them, but it, I want to preface this with um, our favorite kicker in the uh, NCAA scored two points today, two extra points. Uh, team still lost. Just Yes. Uh, not her fault. The team is terrible. Uh, the team has not won a game. No, they are horrible, and they deserve to be at the bottom of the cell in the SEC. But I want to play play the uh, clips from our, our caller and get your reaction afterwards. Hi, this is Jesse. This is Anthony's sister. I was just listening to your podcast when Tara Fuller came up, and this whole thing infuriates me to no end. My brother is exactly correct, and I completely agree with him. My twin sister would say the same, and so would my other older sister. All of us have played D1 sports. We've played with some of the best athletes. I do not understand, and I think because as a man, you can't say that a woman can't do it because then you're being sexist. Well, as a woman who's played lots of sports at a high level, she shouldn't be out there. And that's one area where I will disagree with my brother. I don't even think she should be playing. And for the reasons that God made us differently, men are stronger, they're faster, they're better. You take the best male in any given sport and you take a female who's the best in that sport and you put them against each other nine out of ten times the man's going to beat her every time that's not sexist that's not a mean thing that's just reality that's science and the thing that i find ironic is people put that out there and that she's making history if one of the guys on their team who was a kicker did that everybody watching would be like what the heck was that so if he kicked that way, if a, if a male kicked that way, it would be a problem. But because it's a female, we're all supposed to cheer. Absolutely not. You either can do it or you can't. And then on top of that, if, if it's all things are equal, why do you hear people complaining that these girls in these PIAA finals for track and field, when they're going against a transgender, that they're saying it's not fair that the transgender is winning because they're a male? Well, you can't have it both ways. So which one is it? There, we should have men and women sports to stay men and women sports. I don't see, I don't watch football on the weekends. I don't turn on college football to hope that I see a girl playing. I don't turn on the NFL to see, hope that I see a girl playing. I turn it on to watch it for what it is. We don't need to change it. If it isn't broken, don't fix it. But our society is upside down and you have all these woke people. It's all political. And I completely disagree. She did not make history. It's it's just another platform that these crazies can talk about. But I, I agree with my brother. No, she didn't make history. It was a terrible kick. I saw the kick, and she shouldn't even be on the team. It's no disrespect to her. Why would she not just stay playing women's sports? I was very good at soccer and field hockey. If I had been good enough to go pro, I wouldn't want to play for a male team. We would play men in college that were just interns at the college that were from Europe that weren't even hockey players, and they would crush us. And they're playing some of the best people in the country. Why is that? Because they're men, plain and simple. So this whole thing needs to stop. And any man that says anything about it, they're always castigated. It's like, oh, gosh, you're sexist. No, you're not. 
we're just talking lots. Hi, this is Jesse again, Anthony's sister. I had one more thing I wanted to add because while I'm thinking about it, you know, break the glass ceiling, right? If we're doing that, let's just do it for all our sports. Let's take men's gymnastics when they have to do the iron cross on the rings. I think women should have to do that. Let's take strongman's championship. I'd love to see strong women throwing kegs over a giant bar behind their back. Um, and, and let's carry the Atlas stone too while we're at it because, hey, grip strength for women, right? Must be the same as men. You could do this all day. I'm just saying, women are great at what they do. Women should play women's sports, and they could play soccer, they could play softball. I don't think we should be intermingling men and women in sports for obvious reasons. Just makes sense. All right, that's it for today. Bye. See, my sister could guest host the the program. (laughs) I almost think you guys are related, uh, just based on what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yes, and... um, she must be a sexist, therefore, or I, apparently she's filled with self-hatred. That must, that, be, that it. must be it. Yes. <laughs> By the way, um, as I as I told you, my sisters would agree with me, yes. and I did not have a conversation with her about this at all. Oh, I'm sure you I had no idea she was even going to call. <laughs> but she does listen. And you, I can tell you this as well, is that you can probably tell if she did disagree with me, she would say that too. Yeah. It does seem like she is very comfortable sharing her opinion. And yes. I appreciate that. I don't know where she gets that from. It doesn't really run in our family. It doesn't seem to. Now I, I, for our listeners, where in the birth order does she rank? She your- is technically, uh, actually she, she is a twin. And mm-hmm. so they are the youngest of my four sisters, she and my other sister, and she is technically, I forget how many seconds older. Okay. Uh, so she's actually third. Okay. So but you're the oldest. I am the oldest. Yes. But you've, you've laid a pathway for the future. <laughs> right. So I, I made all my sisters basically play sports. Sure. Uh, and then they all got better at sports than me. That totally makes sense. I, right. I, you know, you're, you're the, te- you're the, uh, you're the Manning brother who just didn't succeed. <laughs> That's true. Yes. I don't, ha- I don't really have an excuse either. No, it's okay. So I just oh, put that in there. Go ahead. Well, one other thing I want to point out, because again, there's going to be now a week's worth of celebratory yeah. uh, platitudes about the fact that she's now Fuller is now the first woman to score because mm-hmm. she's kicked two extra points in a division one game. That's great. I actually saw the video of the first one looked pretty good. She kicked it down the middle, but again, I I'm sorry. I have to, I have to point this out. They have a man on the team who is kicking the field goals. So I know for instance, whoever he is, I don't even know whether he's a regular roster player or someone else that they got. He, he, they sent him out to kick a 39 yard field goal. And so the question then becomes, why do they have a specialist extra point kicker? It's a stunt now. Well, again, and see, are we, are we playing competitive football or are we doing something else? Some sort of woke theater as my sister points out, because here's the deal. If you already have someone that can kick field goals and clearly she cannot. Why are you trotting out a woman to only kick the extra points? You're not putting her out there because she's the best person on the team to do that particular job. 
that would be the man that just kicked the 39-yard field goal. So again, this to me is insulting because she's some sort of mascot, right? She she represents the cause. She's raising consciousness. But you know what? In no other game would you ever have someone else running out who is a lesser player taking extra points if it actually mattered, right? If this right. team was 7 and 1, or whatever, or a competitive team in a meaningful game, you're not going to, let's say, oh, let's let the team equipment manager run out and see if he can make an extra point. No, we have people that do that. The person that's the starting place kicker kicks the extra points. That's what they do. So once again, we're sort of twisting the game so that we can insert her in there in this sort of show pony role so everyone will cheer that she kicked an extra point. Again, I have nothing against Sarah Fuller. I've already made the point that she's a tremendous athlete in her own right as a soccer goalkeeper for a for an SEC championship women's team. She doesn't belong on a football field playing with men. And it's not because she's a woman. It's because she's not good at it. And she's not good enough to be the starting field goal kicker on a team that has no active kickers anyway. So, Again, if we're going to all be equal on the depth chart, she does not belong out there kicking extra points. It's just a stunt. Well, and, and you're right. And I think your sister was very clear on that. And uh, they do have a kick. Well, he's the punter, Pearson Cook. He took the field goal attempt today. He was one for two today against Tennessee. Uh, you, you can tell about Vanderbilt is because they got beat by Tennessee. And Tennessee is horrible. Why would they not be allowing their the, feel good story? to take or to kick the field goals. You know why? Because she can't. She can't uh, make them. If she now, can, that's, she guess can. what? Nothing against her, but no. then you shouldn't be on the team just as some social justice avatar to run out there so ESPN can have another three weeks. You know, now she's she'll win an ESPY. Guaranteed Probably. she will win an ESPY, right? Yeah, and I, I think it's more publicity stunt than anything else, and I... I get that it may be a social justice thing for ESPN. I think it's a publicity thing saying Vanderbilt's football team stinks. They stink completely. They fired their coach. This is the only thing that's going to get us notoriety because otherwise nobody even cares that they have a program. So, well, you know what? When, so you, you say it's a publicity thing. Has to be. Tell me what is the message? What, what does this demonstrate to someone who is, evaluating Sarah Fuller football player. What, what is this actually showing us? I don't think it's showing us anything from a football. Well, what is the takeaway? I mean, what I know what they think the takeaway is, which is, you know, woman lands on moon. Yeah. You know what it, for any reasonable person who is assessing this, what is actually the takeaway from watching this? So I think you're looking at it from a fan's perspective. And you need to look at it from an alumni perspective and from a uh, recruiting perspective and from a donation perspective. So if you're an alumni, they're going to put that in the magazine. They're going to say, look what we did. We were the first college football Division One team in the Power Five to have a female kicker. Female do you think, okay, so my follow-up question to that observation is, do you actually think that 
alumni of Vanderbilt who care about the football program, who follow Division I football. I'm not talking about people who follow the gender studies program. I'm talking about people that follow SEC football. Do you think that it is a pro or a con for those people that they just enacted a farce for the last two weeks, trotting a woman out on the field who can't kick the ball more than 30 yards? I don't think it's any more a farce than the football team itself. Oh, I do. Well, I think you're, again, you're looking at it from rightly. So you're looking at it from a a fan of football's perspective. They're looking at it as I'm a woke organization. I'm a woke university and we don't see gender stereotypes. I can see it. I can see the copy being written right now for the alumni magazine telling me how wonderful they are and how far reaching and they're going to go out and ESPN is going to put it all over the place. And you're right. She might win an S before kicking a field or an extra point again an extra point being 20 yards who cares anybody in college should be able to kick an extra point it's not that hard if you're a kicker so big deal but the fact that she did it they're gonna they're gonna milk this because guess what their football team how is it how is it helping women it's not not. and that's my point is that anybody you hook somebody up to sodium pentothal who's on that team or on that coaching staff who are actually watching football and you know what they're all saying they're saying she's she, she does she's terrible she doesn't belong out there she shouldn't be kicking this is a stunt she's a mascot and so in a very insidious way while we're all supposed to pretend that this is a great thing and then it's advancing women the only way that you actually advance is when you demonstrate that on your own okay i'm with help, whatever. But in other words, that you have the ability, you have the aptitude, you have the capability of achieving something without the game being rigged. That You don't generate respect when everyone else knows that you're being propped up for as a publicity stunt. So it doesn't actually help women because everyone understands that this is fake golf applause and we all know that she doesn't belong out on the field. And again, I'm not saying this to denigrate her. If she legitimately belonged on that team, she would have won the job and earned it because she was good at it. And she should want to earn the job in that fashion because sports are a meritocracy, perhaps the last one that we have. And my sister's point is at that level, There is no woman who is going to be able to earn any job on that field because they simply cannot physically compete. How does it help them? How does it help the cause of feminism for us all to pretend that the person who's terrible is actually good? It doesn't. It it doesn't. And you're using actual logic to explain wokeness. The wokeness is this helps us because she got on the field and then we can break down the door because she got on the field. But it doesn't advance the cause because she didn't do anything special. She did, as I said last week, her kicking ability is that of a high school, uh, average high school kicker. At least what we've demonstrated in on a football field. Correct. There's nothing spectacular about anything she did. She would never receive a scholarship at a Division One program for football because she's average as a kicker. As a soccer player, she's exceptional. Female soccer player, she's exceptional. But as a male football kicker, she's average at best. And if the fact that she can't hit a 35-yard field goal, that's probably not really indicative of even an average college football player. 
let me ask you this because you played sports too because we both played sports would it make you feel good I think back, for instance, so my boys play basketball. They play basketball for a long time. I play basketball. You know how sometimes they're on like rec leagues. There, there are kids that participate in the league and they perhaps they have some physical disability or they have a, they have a mental disability. And so and it's great. And it's great that they're participating and it's a, it's a tremendous story that they're out there. The other kids support them. And usually in, in a competitive game, if they're playing, Kids are going to allow them, for instance, they get the ball. No one's going to block it in their face. They're going to let them shoot, right? And that's that's a good thing. That's a tremendous thing for those kids. But those kids have a handicap. And it is right and good that they are not going to be treated the same way in that sort of setting because we want them to enjoy that. We want them to get the feeling of they're doing well. Now, Sarah Fuller does not have a handicap. Okay. So if you're a competitive athlete and she is because she is a premier division one soccer player, do you think it should, it would make you feel good as you were rolling out onto the field, knowing the only reason that I'm out here doing this is not because I've earned it by my kicking ability. It's because I'm some sort of symbol for some movement and all the other guys on this team, including me, not a guy, we all understand what's going on here. I do not deserve to be kicking off for Vanderbilt football, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, would you want that? Would you want to be that person? <laughs> I certainly wouldn't because I would be incredibly self-aware. The reason they're rolling me out here is for something that has nothing to do with me. Don't make me, if I'm not good enough, I don't want to be on the field. I don't want some false applause and everyone pretending that I was actually good when I'm not. Correct? Uh, I agree with you. Let me tell you a story. So I, I wrestled in high school, soccer and wrestled. Uh, my junior year, uh, a kid came out for the team. He had never wrestled before in his life. He had been on the basketball team and couldn't make the varsity lineup. Uh, average height. He wasn't super tall, so probably he was you're not going to do well in basketball. He wanted a letter. So we had an opening on the wrestling team in a spot where we didn't have a, another wrestler. So he did not have to compete against anybody. He sucked weight all week. So if, if you're familiar with wrestling, it's based on weight class. So you have to weigh in before each match, an hour before each match, and you have to be at that weight to wrestle. So he would, he would do all the things you shouldn't do to get down to that weight, and then he would go out and promptly get pinned every match. Okay. Whole season. He would, he would jump up, uh, the day after the match, he'd be 15, 20 pounds heavier than he was the day of the match. Whole season gets to the end of the year. He got a varsity letter. He wore that varsity jacket. And in our senior year, he's walking around telling everybody how awesome he is. Cause he's got a varsity wrestling letter. Now he didn't earn it. He was a body who went out and promptly got pinned, gave up his, the ma- we could have forfeited and gotten the same number of points out of him and giving the other team the same number of points. He was on the team. He was physically on the team, and he went out and, and got killed every time. But he was cocky because he thought he earned it. Now, I had a confrontation with him because I didn't like this kid at all. I had a confrontation with him, at which point I had to explain to him, you were horrible. You earned nothing. You are a disgrace to that letter, and you shouldn't have it. And I went to the coach and even said, <laughs> you should not have given him a letter. He did not earn it. There are people on this team who earned the letters they got. They earned the right to be on this team. He showed up and he was physically alive. That was his, 
That was his entire contribution to the team. It annoyed me. And well, if I, I guess let me ask you this too. Well, so let me ask you this about that though. Um, because the devil's advocate position for what you're describing would be, well, wait a minute. Okay. So he's not a good wrestler. There was an open spot, but did he show up every day to practice and do what everyone else was doing? No. Okay. Well, see, that's what I, that's what I wanted to get more because I wouldn't necessarily have a prop. Well, first of all, he's lacking in self-awareness. The fact that he's right. running around trumpeting that, that attitude demonstrates he doesn't really understand the plot, but I would be okay with someone again, you've got an open position. They're really not very good. However, they work hard. They show up every day. They cheer on their teammates. They're trying their best. And if they do that for a full season and are on the team, then they deserve a letter. Sure. He did none of this. He did not cheer <laughs> anybody else. He did his thing. He went out and got pinned and he came back and sat on the bench. Did not, did not share, did not participate fully in practice. Didn't help. He, he was Wait, so he was, why did the coaches permit him not to participate in practice? Oh, no, he participated, but you know, there's people who participate and there's right. people who are there. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm physically here. And yes, every time there's a takedown, I'm on the bottom because I'm a bot. So he wasn't even, he wasn't even trying to no. get good. He just wanted that letter. He what? wanted to be a placeholder so he could get that letter and walk around and say he was on the varsity wrestling team. Yeah. He didn't come out his senior year. Right. He only went out his junior year to get the letter. Then he got, once he got the letter, he never showed up again. He, he did not. So he only got there to get the letter. And that's what annoyed the rest of us because we put in the blood, sweat, and tears to get to where we were. And we weren't wonderful all the time, but man, we put in the effort. This guy shows up and he's given a letter for doing next to nothing. He was, he had a heartbeat and he was alive and he weighed the right amount at the right time. That was it. I want to make, I want to make one final point. Sure. I don't sound like too much of a curmudgeon here, although that's probably too late. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that Sarah Fuller's family is incredibly proud of her. They should be. She's a tremendous athlete. So I'm not really directing this. It's not even really about her. I don't have a problem. She was asked to do this. She's doing it. I'm sure she's doing it. I'm sure she's trained. I'm sure she's practiced. I'm sure she is doing her utmost to perform well. Sure. My criticism is directed at all the cynical individuals who are using her in that role in their ongoing sort of, you know, political ideological games, their publicity stunt, their consciousness raising. She is a pawn of these other people. I, I don't have anything bad to say about Sarah Fuller, the person, the effort. And her family should be tremendously proud. She And look, there's an incredible amount of pressure on her. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is my only critique of her is she stinks at football and she shouldn't be out there. And the reason she's out there is because of other people that have an agenda that have nothing to do with her. All well said. And, and it's almost as though we planned this, but that was a nice segue to our first topic. That's not sports. We never plan anything. Times person of the year. And I'm probably going to go off on wait, this. Just, wait a minute. Time magazine is still being published. Yes. Apparently they still publish. Okay. Still buy it or read it or care about. I don't know. Excellent. It's kind of like, I think the time person of the year is kind of like the SI swimsuit issue. Do people really read SI anymore? Or do they just wait for the February? Is, I mean, is SI, I guess it's still being published. I, I have no idea. I, I don't know one way or the other, but time person of the year. Now, I'll give you a couple guesses who the time person of 2020 was. 
And some of the choices would have been, you know, healthcare workers. We're in a pandemic. There's been some people maybe putting in a legacy effort. Um, maybe a pharmaceutical company, Pfizer per hand, perhaps. <laughs> An they evil pharmaceutical company? Well, I mean, they did get a far, they did get a product from uh, start sure. to finish in nine months, which usually takes four plus years, if not longer. That's right. kind of a big deal. Well, no, they're, they're still a disembodied evil. Well, yes. entity. And, and, okay, right. so let's go on to a, a different option. Maybe a head of state who negotiates multiple peace treaties in a war-torn area where they have not had peace since we've called it the Middle East. Well, but we can't. Well, here's the thing, though. That actually didn't happen because Hitler can't negotiate peace treaties. True, true. So, right. so. Plus, the New York Times didn't report any of that, so it didn't happen either. Well, there you go. So. Those three options were not Times Person of the Year, okay? Times Person of the Year was actually two people, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, the president-elect and the vice president-elect, who to this point have done nothing in 2020 except win the election. But they're a healing. They, they save the world, Chad. Well, that's what I've been told. They save the world. They, they bring a healing presence to a divisive world. Really? So my point would be, if you think the media is honest, which if you've listened to this show, you obviously could not think that with a, with a straight face. This is one more example of dishonesty in the media because there's no way, shape, or form. Now, President Trump didn't deserve the time person of the year in 2016. He hadn't done anything other than get elected. Therefore, maybe Biden and Harris will do something. Let's be optimistic. Maybe something positive actually comes out of their presidency. And I say there because obviously. Well, didn't they? Um, when did they award Obama his uh, Nobel Peace Prize? I Wasn't that his first year, too? I feel it was like 2009, but I, I don't know. Uh, I'll look it up. When we're talking. So the point is, is that you don't have to ha you don't have to do anything. Well, that's you the point. You, you just have to stand for what these people uh, need you to stand for. So you're, they're not Trump. So they have to be the person of the year. He was an existential threat. 2009 for Barack Obama. The okay, right. And and he had, remember, Barack Obama, droner in chief. Um, <laughs> you know, he wins the Nobel Peace Prize, but, and I don't necessarily have a problem with the ongoing war in Afghanistan, but it's just sort of an odd thing that they somehow pretended. What, what did he actually do? To, nothing. Of course, he didn't do anything. Uh, you, but, you know what he did? He was black and got elected president. Right. Well, and, and, and Joe Biden is not Donald Trump. And so the fact that he has advancing dementia and stayed in his basement for essentially 90 percent of the last eight months. Uh, and I, Kamala Harris, let me ask you this, Chad, how many actual interviews um, with the press did Kamala Harris give between January and today? Um, Two, maybe. I, I mean, it's incredible, right? Yeah. It was as if she didn't even exist. Biden's in his basement, mm -hmm. barely trying to stammer out what's on his teleprompter. And Kamala Harris is somewhere in, I don't know, some kind of safe house. Um, mm -hmm. It's amazing. And yet, and yet, their mere presence on the planet justifies Time's co-people of the year. That's superb. Yeah, well, well, and it, 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 it is appropriate for that magazine to award it to them. I, I just want everybody to understand. I I give no credence, our friend, regardless of what he might think, I give zero credence to a mainstream media 
it, when this is the kind of garbage they're putting out there, and I'm supposed to believe that they are objective and fair and understanding, and they're just trying to give us the facts. All right, here's another, while we're talking about this, so here's another example of this, and we could do this for millennia, just list the, you know, the mendacity of the media. But here's one that, again, no one has even commented about. So do you remember before the election, all of the stuff about Hunter Biden was <laughs> it was not only suppressed. Now, remember, I want to I want to point this out and people should uh -oh. look this up. It was not only memory hold. It was not only silenced. It was not only, oh, it's crackpot theories. No, no. It was Russian disinformation. Remember, that was actually the line that was being put out there by the New York Times. I remember there was an interview with good old John Brennan. He should know about Russian disinformation. He was a card-carrying member of the Communist Party. He was also the head of the CIA. He's also the guy that set up Trump and Flynn. And he went on CNN and in some, you know, this has all the earmarks of Russian tradecraft, okay? So we were not to look, we were not to see, we were not to speak of anything that could prevent Joe's basement campaign from getting across the finish line. And now, shockingly, what do we see this entire week? There's actually news organizations who have decided, hey, you know what? Hunter Biden is under investigation by the FBI and the DOJ for tax crimes and, oh, his overseas relationships with China. Now, it's not just the hypocrisy, which, of course, is staggering and omnipresent. These people literally claimed less than two weeks ago that this was disinformation from Russia. Now, has anyone asked Wolf Blitzer? Anyone no. asked, no. oh, I don't know, Anderson Cooper? Anderson, why are you now spreading Russian disinformation? I distinctly remember watching your show and I stayed away because me don't want none of that Russian disinformation. Wait, you're reporting on it now. Are, was someone, was somebody lying? I, it, it's, this is, so this is the level to which, and it doesn't matter. It's not commented on. It's our friend would never even think to discuss this as a, huh, that's a bit of a head scratcher. You know, they told me for four weeks and I parroted this, that all of this was some info wars, Russian trade craft, pizza gate, crazy story. But now Politico and the Washington Post are all reporting on this. What, yes. what could have happened? What, what possibly could have changed, Chad? I think the election happened. I, I, I'm just telling you, I think the election happened and we can't, we've got to now do our job sort of well i mean and we had the poll right we even had the poll of democrats who were asked who didn't know anything about this of course because they only get their news from npr and christian right. Amanpour. um oh if you had known any of this stuff about hunter biden and joe biden which of course was all documented mm -hmm. um 33 something like that might have changed their vote wouldn't have voted for him so, eh, after, i don't know if i believe that after the fact i mean it's easy to say i might have changed my vote well, here's the thing. If they're Democrats and any of them are saying, why wouldn't they just say, of course, I wouldn't have changed my vote. I was voting against Hitler. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter whether Joe Biden had murdered 17 puppies and by drowning them in the river. As long as it's not Trump, I'll vote for anybody. Well, didn't Ben Shapiro say that the mainstream media is worth five to ten points? 
in a poll in an election. Yeah, well, and I don't know how he knows that. That's just his estimate. There, there is actually a guy we've mentioned. I've mentioned this guy before. I think his name is. Well, there's more than one guy, but the guy that originally did this, I think his name is Tim gross clothes and he he was or is a professor a professor at ucla he's a legitimate guy and he attempted to empirically study the effect of the media on an election and i think he was doing this during the obama the two two terms for obama and his estimate was because of the relentless progressive slant he estimated it was something like 10 to 15 points in a general election i mean can you imagine that chad 10 or 15 points wow that's Democrats never win another election with a neutral press, but that's to anyone who pays attention to this. That's, that's self-evident. You know, one of the most distressing things for me is when I talk to friends of mine who are, let's say left of center, that's fine. Um, But when you try to talk to them about facts, because of what the media has done, if you only get your news, from the mainstream pipeline, meaning pick any of the news networks, most of the smart people, right? They read the New York Times because that, that is authoritative news. They read the Washington Post. They listen to NPR. They are not aware. And these are smart people. These are engaged people. They have no clue about any of this. And so when you try to talk to them about, hey, you know, uh, there's been an autonomous zone in Seattle for like, what? Well, you know, there's actually ongoing rioting in Portland for 156. Oh, that's crazy. It's the Proud Boys. No, no. Th- this is actually Antifa and BLM. You should see it. There's blocks and blocks. It looked like Beirut. The stores are bombed out. No, that's impossible. That hasn't been happening. You can't even have a meaningful conversation with people because they don't know what they don't know because the media is intentionally not just distorting, but suppressing any news that reflects badly on the Democratic Party and on their ideology. And the Hunter Biden story is the perfect example of this. Most people don't know. And what they do know is, oh, yes, that was Russian disinformation until it wasn't. It wasn't. So I'm glad you brought that up because um, Joe Biden had a little conference call this week, and I want to play a clip from that. One of the things I'd be concerned about just as it was pointed out to me that you wanted me to be concerned, Derek, I think it was you said it, about, you know, uh, um, uh, dealing with uh, Vilsack as, uh, in, uh, in terms of, a ter- of uh, agriculture. Well, first of all, you can learn more about Vilsack's record, but my point is this. I don't think we should make that a big issue going into before January 5th when the election takes place down in, in uh, um, uh, in uh, Georgia, in uh, one of those states, I can't remember. Far ahead yeah. of ourselves on dealing with police reform in that because they've already labeled us as being defund the police. Anything we put forward in terms of the organizational structure to change policing, which I promise you will occur, promise you. Just think to yourself and give me advice whether we should do that before January fifth because that's how they beat the living hell out of us across the country, saying that we're talking about defunding the police. We're not. We're talking about holding them accountable. We're talking about 
giving them money to do the right things. We're talking about putting more psychologists and psychiatrists on the telephones <laughs> when the 911 calls through. We're talking about spending money to enable them to do their jobs better, not more with more force, with less force and more understanding. Okay, I can't listen to any more of that. Uh, he was talking with uh, black civil rights leaders. Uh, oh, I guarantee you, Derek was probably Derek McKesson, yeah. who is one of the rabble rousers for BLM, a, a wholly nasty individual. And if you want to look up some of the things that he has said about police and you know what Derek McKesson is thinking to himself, first of all, he's thinking, I cannot believe this guy is now in charge. He can't, he can barely get through a sentence down there in, uh, 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 Moldavia, uh, Georgia. It, it's Georgia. It's one of the states. Oh, that's right. That's right. And that Vils Vilsack, uh, with the, uh, edu yeah, agriculture. Right. So first thing he's thinking is it is amazing that this guy is in charge. The second thing he's thinking is when Biden says, you know, oh, we don't want to defund the police. Like who's we, Kimasabi? Yeah, no, no, we do. We've explicitly said that we continue to say that. In fact, Talking about perfect segue. Have you been reading about the latest? Um, it's beyond insanity. The latest craziness to come out of Seattle. Uh, I, refresh. I, I just. It's hard to keep up with it. So uh, this is again. This is not a Mad Magazine story. Um, this is not from the Babylon Bee. Crime. Yes. The yeah. the Seattle City Council, in their infinite wisdom, is now. Uh, in the process of proposing an ordinance that would make unprosecutable any misdemeanor for, so let's be clear, when you think misdemeanor, this isn't a speeding ticket. This is theft. This is assault. This is vandalism. Think of any kind of crime that ruins and threatens individuals within a neighborhood that's short of literally, you know, armed robbery or murder. It's one of these. We're not going to prosecute that anymore. If you can demonstrate you have one, a mental handicap. Uh, I forget there's another one, but the, the main one is sort of the catch all is if you are um, impoverished, if you're someone who's poor, Listen, man, I couldn't help punching that guy in the face. I'm poor. What the heck? Right? I oh, why do I have this TV? Why did I just throw that Molotov? Because I'm poor. And so they are literally proposing, and you can actually watch the uh, the city council meeting where even the local police there are saying to this council, "Are you insane? Like, do you understand what this is going to do?" No, they don't. They they don't understand, and perhaps they're just going to have to live in the, their utopia that they've created. Well, it's, it's called the poverty defense. And if they use the theft, they let the jury decide, let them understand. And any, any, any complaints about this are an anti-poverty bias. But, uh, here's, the, here's the point, though, and I want to make this very clear. What does it say about people? And, and let's also be very blunt. When they talk about the people that are going to be primarily exonerated from committing crimes, many of those people are minorities. Okay, we're talking about an urban center. Sure, some of them are white, some of them are Asian. Most of them are African-American. What you're basically saying is these people, because they come from poverty, from, from areas that are crime-ridden, 
they're incapable of having any moral agency for their actions. They're, they're, they're basically beasts running around who can't control themselves, and therefore they really shouldn't be blamed for assaulting people or robbing stores. You know who would say that, Chad? Richard Spencer would say that. That's exactly the view of Richard Spencer and anyone who's truly a white supremacist. That's exactly what they think of minority populations. And these are the woke people on the city council parroting that worldview. Well, it, it's a recipe for, for disaster. Um, and I think they're just, again, it's Seattle to be Portland. Uh, they're going down the tubes and they can't seem to grasp that this is not going to be a positive in the long term. They think they're helping people. I think it goes back to our first discussion about Sarah Fuller. If you do things to, to lower the standards, then suddenly you don't have any standards. You suddenly have, uh, well, you know, it's okay if you're poor and steal from somebody, that's fine. If you're not poor or you're the wrong color and you steal, well, then that's wrong. But what we don't remember is when you steal from a, a shop owner, you're taking money out of their pocket. It's not a, it's not a victimless crime. Their, their insurance rates go up to pay for it if they have insurance, if they can get insurance. And if they don't, they're paying for that out of their pocket. So you steal an apple from a, a, a bodega, that doesn't mean it's free because, well, they've got 100 apples. They had to buy all those apples. They didn't just show up free for them. So every time you do that, you diminish, you diminish what other people are accomplishing and what they're working towards. You make their accomplishments less important than your own. And it's a very narcissistic, selfish way to deal with things. And maybe it makes these people feel good about themselves. Oh, we're taking a, we're taking a more progressive view on crime. And it's really not, it's about feeding their families. As AOC said this summer, people are stealing to feed their families. Now, I'm not sure what they're right. the TV to feed their families, but okay. Maybe that's happening in certain circumstances. Well, they need a TV to watch the cooking channel so that they can learn how to cook the recipe, the make the recipe to feed their families. That's I think that's how that works. But remember also, Chad, yeah, you're pointing out it's sort of this feel-good deal. Um, but who are the people that are being victimized? It's the same people. Yeah. And that's what was pointed out to them, you know. Um, why are you burning out black shop owners and Asian shop owners. And remember, if you're you purport to claim that all of these people have been oppressed and that's why you're rioting, but you're destroying their livelihoods. You're assaulting them. How does that work? William F. Buckley is not living down in Portland. No, no, you're you're ruining what someone worked for for 20 years who also is a minority. So why are they being victimized? I, again, no, none of it makes any sense, but I, I kind of feel like they're going to have to be allowed to live out this experiment in uh, chaos theory and nihilism. And, and you know, what's going to, of course, what's going to happen is people will flee. And, you know, the other thing is when you steal from a bodega, mm -hmm. okay, these usually result in, far more violent confrontations because it's not just, oh, I took your apple. No, it's I walked into your store, give me the money out of your cash register. Hey, best guess what? People don't like being stolen from, and now somebody might pull a gun or a knife. And so that's the reason that these sorts of crimes cannot be allowed to just 
go on everywhere because they escalate. They create, I love the term, systemic violence. That's what Rudy Giuliani understood when he did broken windows policing in New York City, which is when you're in an area that already everyone knows is sort of run down, crime infested, all you get is more and more escalating and more and more serious crime as the regular folks move out and the predators and the criminals move in. And so that's what Seattle apparently views as a feature. Well, they may view it as a feature, but I think the uh, bug is about to hit them uh, big time. Whether or not they recognize it as such, I, I think you can't ever can't ever do enough groveling to get votes, to get people to support you. It's amazing to me because you, you can see it in Harrisburg where you're at. You can see the downtown. It's revitalized a little bit, but there are still sections of downtown that have just gone broken window extremes. Well, and of course now with, with COVID, it, it, you know, it's even hard to tell because, you know, everything's shuttered. Sure. Right. It was open. Now it's shuttered again. There's a I can't keep track. There's the every five minute edict that comes out from the Ministry of COVID. So but now we're we're back on. Uh, right. No, no, no restaurants. Well, let's talk about that, because I think that was something. Uh, so we live in Pennsylvania. And as of today, uh, no indoor dining, no gyms and no bars. I think that's the three big ones. Uh, yeah. You can't have can't have interaction with any. Anybody outside your household, except you can go to church and you can go to school, but no extracurricular activities at schools. So it's very contradictory to me. And, and I'm sure it's for political reasons, because I'm sure Governor Wolf would love to shut down the churches. And I think he'd love to shut down the schools, but he, he didn't want to overreach. But so we have a pattern here in Pennsylvania. So our benighted uh, King Tom. Uh, comes out and says, here's what I think you should do. And then when we don't do it because, you know, we're children. He then changes and says, well, you didn't do what I told you to do. So now I'm going to make you do it. I'm going to write an edict and you're going to do it. Well, guess what? Uh, I just read this set this evening four significant restaurants in, in your area. I've decided they're going to stay open and have indoor dining because you know what? They, they stocked up their kitchens because on Tuesday, there was a rumor he was going to do this on Wednesday. On Wednesday, his office came out and said, no, 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 that's just a rumor. And on Thursday, he did it. <clears throat> sure. So he did. Well, so what, Chad? So they so they spent $25,000, $50,000 in inventory. Big deal. Just throw it out. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's awesome for him. Uh, the other thing is people have to lay off staff, <clears throat> you know, 13 again for Christmas. Again, uh, they won't be able to get an unemployment before Christmas because they have to wait a week before they can apply. And it's two weeks before you get paid. The, the result is he knew what he was going to do. He did it anyway, and he's trying to tell us he feels our pain, yet he doesn't feel our pain because he's fabulously wealthy and doesn't care. And I, I have grown tired. I, I won't speak for you. I've grown tired of the constant edicts because here's what I see. We all we, In the spring, all you heard about was the number of cases and the number of deaths. Now you're hearing just about the number of cases because they don't have nearly as many people dying from this disease. So we're using the number of cases as a rationale for stopping the spread and overwhelming the healthcare system. And I will speak from experience. The healthcare system is strained, but it's more from people being uh, quarantined because they were exposed than actual sickness 
overwhelming the system. You don't have the staff because they have to seven to 10 days. They have to be quarantined to make sure they don't develop the virus and therefore spread it, which I understand. But it's it's not the deaths and, and everyone is horrible, but it's not the deaths that we're talking about. It really is the number of cases. Now, I, I learned something this week that most people probably don't understand. If you get tested and, and first of all, the rapid test is not 100 percent accurate. It's about 60 percent accurate. Correct. And that's actually not very good. No, positive and negative. You may show up as negative and be positive, but it won't show that. So 60 percent of the time it gives you the right reading but it could be wrong either way. If you get tested today and you show up positive on a rapid test, you go back tomorrow, get tested again and show up positive, And on the third day, show up negative. They've counted you as two positive tests. Yeah. It's two cases, two cases of positive testing. Now, technically you were tested twice, but you're one person. So how can you be tested? How can you be positive twice when you're only one person? That's not number of people. That's, that's, it, it's just, it's funny math and, and it gets a little tiresome. So I, I don't know how many people actually have had COVID other than the numbers that were given. And they're not necessarily accurate to what's actually out there. So take it with a grain of salt. But even more, but even more to the point, and this is going on in every state, all of these arbitrary edicts about dining and, oh, well, your restaurant has to close, but the box store can stay open. And here's my newly developed list of essential things that I just made up last night. <laughs> the point is, if you ask any of them, and this question was just asked to California's whatever it is, czar of health, about what is the data? Because they also have this draconian, you know, no no outdoor dining, right? Right. In fact, everyone must walk around with their own personal bio bubble. You must roll around the city, whatever. And they asked the, the czar, um, what data are you looking at that suggests that outdoor dining poses a significant risk of spread? And you know what the answer was? Nope. The answer was, refreshingly, even though this was unintentional, well, actually, we don't have any of that data. But you know what? doesn't matter because the point is, and this was the this was the quote, I'm paraphrasing, but not much. Uh, what we really wanted to accomplish was just to make people stay inside, stay at their homes. Don't go out. So we figured, Hey, we'll just ban them from eating outdoors at restaurants. Now let's, let's follow. So first of all, they're essentially lying. They're manipulating the data. We've known that all along, but let's follow that logic. Now, wait a minute here. So, but I thought Chad, now I'm not Dr. Fauci, uh, but I thought it was worse to be inside with people that have COVID. So your little gambit pretending that there's a justification when none exists to prevent people from gathering outside is now forcing more people to stay inside where they pose more of a risk to each other. Am I following that? Uh, I think you are. And I'll give you the exact quote because I think it's important. Uh, he said, he was asked by a reporter, he said, Asked whether there's any data to support a ban on the outdoor dining, such as evidence of outbreaks linked to that specific setting. His answer implicitly conceded there is no such data. The ban, he said, uh, it's not based on a demonstration that outdoor dining is especially dangerous, but on a desire to keep people from leaving their homes. It, it, it's control. It is complete control of our lives. I, uh, my concern is that the next time something else comes along, 
because I, I think we're going to get to the other side of this at some point. I can't tell you when that is, but at some point, these these politicians have said, well, I want to control. I do not want to give up that control. I want to continue to have that control in in the people's lives because I want to, because then way I can make them do what I want and I can make a utopia out of it. I don't see it going back. And that's a bad thing. Our civil liberties are being destroyed for what, what, what exactly are we getting out of this? Well, we're not getting anything out of this. Um, there's many little petty tyrants who are getting a very tingly feeling of satisfying power uh, and I'm to the point, honestly, Chad, that I have to be careful how I say this. I'm sure many of these people, okay, Dr. Fauci, all of the people that are working to try to, you know, get us through this. Sure. They mean well, uh, they want to make sure that less people are infected, less people die, but there's a whole bunch of people that are also simply doing many of these things because, as you said, they enjoy wielding power and they enjoy telling other people who they view as lesser and dumber and simply not worth listening to nor respecting in terms of their individual liberties as you're just going to have to do what we say. And you know what? You don't even really get to ask for an explanation because that's why I'm in this position and you're beneath me. Yeah. And if you don't believe that's going on, then you haven't really been paying attention to the things that these governors have been saying that the monumental hypocrisy. And we've we've talked about this where the more equal pigs have different rules than the less equal pigs, the incredibly discriminatory way that these rules have been applied to sort of favored and disfavored constituencies. And to your point, what that is producing justifiably is millions of people who are watching this and basically saying, we're not going to pay attention to a single thing that you tell us. And so then when you have these people ranting about the fact that you're not listening, you, I read the scroll very slowly and you still did not listen to my edict. You know why? Because you forfeited all credibility. Because we see your fundamental hypocrisy. We see your double standards. We see your lying. We see your obfuscation. We see your inability to generate any data, even though you're supposedly following the science. No, you're not. You're just issuing orders and expecting people to comply. And you know what? Here's the thing. You are destroying people's lives. I'm not talking about, oh, it's just money. No, no. It has huge human costs, and we could go down the list of them, including domestic abuse, including suicide, including people who have died because they cannot avail themselves of other health care when they have comorbidities. There are massive earthquake-level effects throughout our country because of these lockdowns and mandates. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we shouldn't have them. But what it does mean is we are owed a transparent assessment of risk and balancing that. And by the way, there's a thing called the Constitution that I don't care how much you think that you're smarter than everyone or how well-intentioned you are. There are certain things that you're simply not permitted to do in this country, no matter how much you think 
that you should have the scepter that protects everyone from themselves. You don't get to make those calls. Joe Biden doesn't, Donald Trump doesn't, and none of these governors that have run amok get to make those kind of decisions either. And they have lost all credibility because we see that they enforce them haphazardly, arbitrarily, and some are favored and some are not. Why should anyone listen to anything they say? Well, yeah, Pennsylvania being a perfect example right now. I can go to church and sit with people, but I can't sit in a restaurant with people. I'm I'm confused how that's different. You would say I'm wearing a mask while I'm sitting in church. Okay. But I'm still with other people. I, I don't understand. Well, and before we were on lockdown, you could sit at your table without a mask, but you couldn't walk through the restaurant correct. without a mask. Does anyone even think that there's a scientific basis for that? There's none. No. There's none. It's a guy in a room just making up rules. Hey, this sounds good. Why don't we make them walk to their table with a mask on? Then they can take it off. Well, I, I went out to eat last night in a restaurant. So I ate in a restaurant last night when it was still okay. At midnight, it became against the rules to eat in a restaurant. Did something change? Yes. At 11.59, it's okay, but at 12.01, it's not? Yes. There, there's a there's a forthcoming peer-reviewed study that says that after midnight, the virus doubles in potency. See, that, I, you bring- and see, here's the thing. Neither you nor I have ever said and are not saying that this is not a serious sure. health crisis. It is. I've talked about the fact that I'm high risk. I'm not somebody that is going to do well if I get this virus. So I'm not running around like I'm at spring break. Woohoo! I don't wear masks. Let me go breathe on some people. But the point is, is that you can acknowledge the seriousness of this virus. The fact that it focuses on really people that are older or people that have other health conditions. And while saying that, still object to the manner in which the media has ratcheted up this fear-mongering and the way that elected officials have abused their authority in in order to essentially control the way other people live. And if you think, Chad, and I know you don't think this, this is not going to be the last time that these measures and these tactics are used because guess what? There's going to be other crises and other emergencies oh the emergencies that we'll be able to think of that are going to justify this sort of behavior it's almost like um conditioning yeah right it's almost like let's just see how much we can make them obey yeah, because that becomes very useful the next time we want to tell them we're going to limit their freedom and their liberty. And I'm not some one of these. My individual freedom is limitless. You you know, I've got my Gadsden flag tattoo on my neck. No, what I am saying is that in this country, there is a limit to what individuals can make people do, even if they really believe that it's a crisis. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, well. In- Boy who cried wolf, you know the boy who cried wolf. You in this sense accurately appropriate for Pennsylvania. You can't continually ratchet up the fear, and there's a fear factor part of this, but it's a control factor. If you look at, I think there's two ways to look at this. There's the there's a Democratic perspective on how to do things, and there's a a I won't say Republican, but a different perspective. The Democratic perspective is we want you in cities where we can control you. We can tell you what to think, how to think, what to do, where to go. And we can shut down down basic services where you are 
fully reliant on the government to get what you need on a regular basis. You can't grow your own food if you live in the city because you don't have a place to grow it. You don't have the skill or the ability. Uh, you go to a rural area, maybe you can say, no, I'm going to grow my own stuff. I don't really care what you think. I'm not, I'm going to go do what I want because there aren't enough enforcement people around here to stop me. You know, you, you catch me if you can't. There's two different philosophies on that, but I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm not what you're suggesting there, obviously that I, that I have unlimited freedom to do whatever I feel like there are limits to what you can do. The, the courts have ruled that time and time again, you can't just do whatever you feel like. But I also don't want somebody telling me, one, how to spend my money or how to make my livelihood as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical. I should be able to do that. I shouldn't be limited by somebody else's feelings about that. But this whole lockdown situation, the scientific evidence isn't showing that a lockdown does anything other than delay people getting the disease because they, as soon as the lockdown ends, and it ends by choice or by edict, People go out and mingle again. They see each other. They're and suddenly you get spikes in the disease. So maybe we'll, maybe the the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine and some others possibly coming will be enough to get us enough immunity for the population that this becomes a background noise and not a a pandemic. But we're not there yet, and the lockdown portion of things is not going to make things. I think people were tired of the lockdown because if you remember, and I'll remind people, go back the memory hole, the whole way back to March, three weeks to, to, to slow the curve, three weeks to slow the curve. We're nine months into this. We haven't slowed the curve in the sense that we, we, we've eliminated it. And that slow the curve was not to eliminate the disease. I want to be very clear on that. It was not to, it was to reduce how many people were flooding the healthcare system so that they could keep up. And they did. And that, and they did, and then that was at the point at which the goalposts got moved. Correct, and that's where I get tired of this constant moving of the goalposts to tell me over and over again, well, no, we need to do this because you don't have, if it's capricious and arbitrary, people get really tired of hearing about it. I get tired of being told this, that, and the other thing because you've constantly told me to be in fear of everything. Should I wash my hands? Yes, but I should always be washing my hands. Should I, you know, not congregate around people. Yeah, but in flu season, you shouldn't congregate around a lot of people anyway. This is a, a vast improve or worsening thing of that, but it's still something you, common sense is what you do. It, you should know better than to do these things. And I'll tell you right now, if people are getting sick in restaurants, if that's a vector for transmission, people will stop going to the restaurants. People are not going to go somewhere. If you said, if you go to that place, you're going to get sick. People will stop going to that place. Now you'll still get some idiots who will still go because they're idiots. But most people say, I'm going to avoid that. That's how things work. If I know that a school is a transmission vector, then I'm not going to go to the school. If I know a place of business is a transmission, I'm not going to go there. Why do you think the health department shuts down restaurants? Because they're bad and people get to hear about that. They go, oh, I'm not eating there. Well, that's the same thing here. You're not going to go there. Well, the other the other point is, and we've talked about this before, if you're going to tell me, you're going to look me in the eye and say, I'm all about the science. I'm a man of science. And at the same time, you're saying that you're about the science. Not only can you actually not demonstrate science, which justifies your edicts, but worse, worse, you are actively suppressing any opposing 
medical or scientific viewpoint that contradicts your working hypothesis. Yep. Okay. So science is about complete transparency. In fact, it's about constantly taking in new information and testing whether our original conceptions need to change. What has happened in this debate, and it's incredibly disturbing because we're not just talking about some ideological issue, this is a public health issue, is the elite have formed their consensus. And their consensus is COVID is the worst, it's incredibly dangerous, and if you don't wear masks, and if you don't huddle in your homes, and if you go out, you're a denier, and you're going to kill many people, and this cannot be questioned. Well, guess what? Why wouldn't we want, why wouldn't we be, happy is the wrong word, pleased to learn, for instance, hey, you know what? The recent science, let's say the study, uh, the Danish study that showed uh, masks don't necessarily have a huge effect. Now, look, you can still choose to wear masks, but why would we want to suppress a randomized trial <laughs> that shows, hey, you know what? You might not actually have to limit. Yeah. your life and lock down yourself and do all of the things that have made this such a struggle for so you might actually be able to go see your lonely grandparent who has been alone for the last six months because no one's allowed. No, no, we're not allowed to talk about that. We want that gone. Why is it that doctors cannot talk frontline doctors, not some guy you know, who's cutting off chicken heads, dancing around a fire, epidemiologists, people that are frontline treaters. Why are they not allowed to point out, you know what? We've actually tried one of these drugs. Is it a magic bullet? No, but it has worked for many of our patients. Why should people not have access to that information to make their own decisions with their own doctors about something that might actually save their life? No. Why? Because the bad orange man, he said something good about it. It must be silenced. <laughs> That is an incredibly dangerous position that we're in right now, where we have people who are deep sixing medical information. And look, not all of it's valid, and we don't all have to agree, okay? But they are silencing facts. They are silencing information because they've already decided this is the narrative. There will be no deviation from it. That is not science. That is religion. They're doing religion right now. And that's a problem. Well, and, and yeah, uh, this isn't going to be solved tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm disgusted with the whole situation, but this is where we find ourselves. I, I want to finish out with a, um, uh, how do I put this? Um, somebody who should never have been listened to and based on recent uh, news should never be in public view again. Uh, Eric Swalwell. Uh, representative <laughs> um, he was the purveyor of the one of the purveyors there, there were many of the russian uh collusion hoax uh for trump uh, but it came out this week that he might have shared an intimate relationship with a uh, chinese spy uh, so yeah I, I, is that the george we need the george costanza clip what was that was that wrong <laughs> Someone's going to need to explain that to me because at my other job, that was fine. It was fine there. It doesn't, I don't understand what the problem is. Uh, yeah. Ted Cruz said something. I can't, I'm going to paraphrase this. Uh, 
I can't remember what he said now. Uh, I'll... Ted Cruz basically said, uh, I, I've said a lot, and what he said was, screw China, and I wasn't aware how closely Eric Swalwell was listening. <laughs> which is actually, a pre- that's a pretty good line. That is a pretty good line. Ted Cruz comes off some good ones sometimes. So basically, this this guy is, uh, so what we had, Diane Feinstein's driver was a Chinese spy, uh, and Eric Swalwell's mistress was a Chinese spy. I'm seeing a pattern. And Hunter Biden is now, again, now that we're dispensed with the Russian disinformation being investigated Mm -hmm. uh, for antics and financial dealings with communist China. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the NBA is in bed with communist China. And many of our leading woke corporations are raking in billions from communist. This seems like a trend and and a somewhat troubling one. Well, it should be a troubling one, but apparently... We're not supposed to really think that. I think we're supposed to think, well, it's all in the up and up because they said so. Nothing to see here. Move along. Uh, I, right. I bring it up because this is a developing story. We'll have to see. We'll, we'll make some more fun of uh, Mr. Swalwell next time. And and he de- he deserves it because, again, this was the guy that was out there every day lying. Yeah. Okay, let's be clear. Adam Schiff, Swalwell, they were all lying about the Russian collusion fantasy. And in fact, you got to give this guy credit. I mean, these people are shameless. He's now out there. One of the statements he made is, well, what I want to know is who leaked this information? (laughs) I mean, again, it takes it takes some incredible stones for a guy like that to go out and start talking about how he is now indignant about leaking information oh my oh my i mean it helps you know what being completely amoral it, it's it can assist you in these kind of situations because you'll say anything well you'll, you'll say anything because you think the lemmings will listen to anything you say uh that's neither here nor there uh, i do have to finish up with um this goes out to one of our listeners yes penn state finished the season with a better record than michigan wait is the season over three and five it's eight games I think they're supposed to play another one next week, but I'm not really sure why. For uh, yes, Michigan, Michigan should be wearing the Saints paper bags. Oh, you should be have right. You should be doing this podcast with a paper bag <laughs> over your head. Hey, I, I told him. He said, "Well, they finished a better record than Michigan, and today was supposed to be the game in which they would have been destroyed by by Ohio State." Uh, luckily the big 10 changed the rules to allow house state to actually play in the big 10 championship because they didn't have enough games to do so. Now, you know, smarter minds than us have decided we don't really want Indiana to represent the big 10 East. So we're going to change the rules so that Ohio state can play in the big 10 championship. Oh, okay. Wait. So, so the Michigan Ohio state game did not go on today. No, there was a COVID. Uh, okay. I, I saw that it was on the schedule and, I, I wasn't really paying attention. And yes, it will be a bloodletting whenever. If, well, I guess that game's not going to happen now. No, it's not going to happen. Uh, the suggestion earlier in the week was maybe we'll have, uh, we'll have Indiana play Ohio State again for reasons uh, just to have a game, I guess. Uh, but that did. I mean, Michigan might have lost that game, Chad, by 50 points. Oh, easily. Uh, let's just put it this way they would be two and six had they played the game. <laughs> so it's no question. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay, quick prediction then before we go. Yeah. Um, will Jim Harbaugh be the coach of Michigan next season? I hope not. I know there's rumors both ways that he's uh, one of the front runners for the Detroit Lions. Good riddance. Uh, there's also a rumor that he might be negotiating 
another contract with uh, incentives and a lower base salary, uh, I say, please, no. Uh, that would be awful. I, I think he's gone. I, I think he has to be gone. Yeah. You can't. You need sort of a, a a restart. It's clear that for whatever reason that experiment has failed. And yeah, this has been a crazy season. You know, it's it's hard to tell. But here's the thing: that team's trajectory. And look, they had they had some good seasons. They weren't terrible. But he he's winless against Ohio State. They were awful this season. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a history of wearing out his welcome. He has never developed what he's supposed to be able to develop, which is elite quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And I, it's time for him to go. He needs to go back. And you know what? He'll be initially successful. If he goes to the Lions, look, he's a good coach. He, he's, he knows what he's doing. But paying him $9 million for the results that they're getting, no, nah, it's, it's done. It's great. Well, Maybe he's a good offensive coach, but not a good head coach. Has that been discussed? Um, in- well, look, he was. Here's the thing, though. Where where did he was he? He was at Stanford, right? Previously, San Diego State, Stanford, and he was a good head coach mm-hmm. for the San Francisco 49ers for at least three or four years. Uh, until kind of the wheels fell off because he couldn't get along with anybody, and then they they had to be rid of him. So no, I think he's a good coach, but I also think that his personality you just can't you can't endure that for more than you know three or four seasons, and he simply hasn't won enough yeah. to justify what they're paying him. I I completely agree. You're not going to give me grief about the Steelers. Why? Because because of what? Because they lost on... Uh, no, so what? Of course they were going to lose. They weren't going to go unbeaten. In fact, you should be happy that they lost. Well, I'm not happy they lost, but I knew they weren't going to go unbeaten either. I I, I think they've had... I don't know. I don't know if it was enough, not enough rest and not enough reps together. The, the Steelers still have dropsies. They can't seem to catch the ball consistently. And I think in all phases of the game, they're struggling right now. And I don't know if that's going to be turned around or not. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, you know, even... Even the Chiefs, okay, they've they've been winning, they've kept winning, but the Chiefs haven't even looked that good. There, there's right now. Look, I still think the Chiefs are the clear favorites to win the Super Bowl again, mostly because they have Patrick Mahomes and nobody else does. But they have a very good team, and there's nobody that's ex- as explosive as that team on a game in game out basis. You know, the Steelers, a lot of these other teams, yeah, they might have a game where they score 30. They could have another game where they slog through a 13 point disaster. Right. Um, But I I will say this. I don't think the chiefs are playing all that. Well, the Steelers clearly have been struggling. I don't, who's the hottest team in football right now. You know, who actually looks really good. Surprisingly to me is the Rams. Um, the Rams defense is the real deal. And it looks like that McVay has kind of gotten that offense figured out enough. Uh, and he's another one that's, you know, I mean, I, I don't really think Jared Goff is very good, but he can be good in the right environment. And that's all they need. Their defense is suffocating people. Yeah. I, I would put them up there with possibly right now, the leading contender, even over the Packers, uh, in the NFC to maybe get back to the Super Bowl. I could agree with that. I think the Packers have looked vulnerable at different times. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still very good, but. Oh, and the Saints. I think right now the Rams and the Saints might be the two teams that are playing the best football. Again, the Chiefs are, are always going to be up there because I think they're the best team. I'd, 
I could agree with the Saints if Drew Brees comes back full strength and he's Drew Brees. I am not sold on Taysom Hill. Uh, oh no, they're not going to win the Super Bowl with Taysom Hill under center. I'm I'm assuming that Brees is going to be back and and playing. Okay, yeah, and the Steelers have they have some chance. They're eleven and one, so you know there's there's four games to go. Uh, they're most likely going to win the division, uh, which means they're going to be at worst, you know, you know, four seed, uh, no worse than a four seed, regardless of what else happens. Uh, but I think the one seed's out. And honestly, I don't know that a one seed was a good thing for them because a break seems to be bad for them when they have breaks in, uh, in that week. So I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but they're, they're not catching the ball. They can't run. And I know James Conner was out the last two games, but they can't run. Four, four tries inside the five-yard line, and they can't punch it in against the, the Redskins. I'll call them the Redskins, Washington football team. Uh, that's disheartening. Um, they had what you you texted me that night, and you said they had more penalty yards than they had rushing yards. Um, yeah, that that wasn't good. That's that's not a recipe for success. If you're gonna have, and if you're gonna have Ben throw, what was it, fifty three times in that game? That's uh, that that's not a recipe for success. You can do that occasionally, but it's got to be the fluke. It can't be a, a constant thing. And he's been throwing a lot uh, the last couple of games, and I think that's because they're trying to make up for the running game. It's a big game for my Colts. Yes. <laughs> this is the this is the most important game of their season against the Raiders, the completely schizophrenic uh Las Vegas Raiders who have already beaten the Chiefs once, almost beat them again. Yeah. Uh have also beaten I think the Packers. Yes. And have beaten like they have beaten some of the very best teams in the league and yet they should have lost twice to the Jets. Yeah. So they're, that's they're all that's weird. It's, I think it's a weird season. I think you you made that point. It's a very weird season. So some things are odd. Uh, I think the fact that you've got pay, players shuffling in and out, not due to injury, but due to COVID protocol, you're really disrupting, especially the lines. I, I think every team has had line issues because they're they're in and out, both offensive yep. and defensive, and it makes it really really hard to consistently game plan when you're missing people and here's my other contention and this is a this is a Steelers thing and I know it's affecting other teams as well um they played three games in 12 days yeah that's crazy that's totally crazy and they lost they have lost three starters uh because of it and that makes me concerned that they're not getting enough rest uh in between games to really be, play a healthy game we talked about a little bit last week with Denver having no quarterbacks at what point does the product suffer? It already is sufficiently that you say, okay, we can't do this. We can't do this. In yeah. It's to me, it's reckless and irresponsible to have an NFL team playing three games in 12 days. Yeah. You're, you're guaranteeing injuries. That sport is too violent and too brutal to have people out on the field that with that quick of a turnaround. Um, yeah. It's not going to work. And I think what we're going to see in these playoffs, I hope we don't, is that a lot of there's going to be a lot of playoff games that are going to be decided because people are in COVID protocol or people are injured. And so you've got sort of these skeleton crew teams. And that also, I guess, in some ways makes it potentially more exciting because you don't know what you're going to get week to week. Right. Well, and maybe at, whenever they reach the end of the season, there's four more games left. We'll see if it's in the next four weeks or if it's extended. I wouldn't be upset if they took a week and said, we're going to lock down everything. We're going to clean everything and we're going to let the players heal or get people yeah. out of pro COVID protocol. We want to see, I, I'm not, 
I'm not interested in seeing a number and a jersey. I want to see the players who make that team what they are, who whichever team you, you root for. You don't want to see the backup necessarily just because somebody's sitting at home because they breathed at the same air of somebody else. You want to see Philip Rivers on the field. You don't want to see his backup, Kobe, Jacoby Brissett, because Philip is sitting at home because he had turkey with a, a family member who was sneezing. You don't yep. see that. So let's make the product good instead of trying to shoehorn it in. Somebody has said many times, you could play into May and you'd still have the biggest audience. It wouldn't matter when you play these games. So right. why are we trying to shoehorn it into these 18 weeks like we normally do or 17 weeks, sorry, uh, and then run the playoffs the same way? I think you're just you're causing undue harm and injury to the players and to the game by doing this. Just my opinion. Agreed. I actually like the idea of a, a complete one week break for everybody. Well, what, why would that be a problem? It shouldn't be. It's already built into the schedule for a break between the AFC and NFC title games and the Super Bowl. So just take that out. Okay. What else is going to be on these stadiums? Nothing. There's no fans there. So yeah. you just push it another week. Who cares? Um, I, I, it's just something to think about. But I, I really, I want a good product. I want a good game. I want to see good games. I don't want to see backups just to see backups or third stringers because you pulled somebody off the street because you had nobody else to put in that position. Well, I want the Steelers to lose just so I can hear Chad rant about uh, Mike Tomlin. Uh, I don't think Mike Tomlin did a poor job on Monday night. I think I think the players executed poorly in all facets of the game. So I, I can't blame him for anything in particular. I think uh, Washington getting that kick for a field goal at the end of the first half was atrocious. I think the refs should be fined and disciplined for stopping the clock for no reason. And Alex Smith took the football off the field. So why did the Steelers have to get penalized for it well and you know what you know what they say about uh execution right chad do you remember the, the quipper john mckay do you remember the famous quote so john mckay yes john mckay uh very sardonic dry sense of humor famous coach of the tampa bay buccaneers when they were abysmal and that's what he was as a press conference what do you think about your team's execution i'm in favor of it so steve spurrier was his starting quarterback in the first season <laughs> And he was not a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, okay, so that's all I got. Tony. Anything you wanted to talk about before we left? I am finito. Okay. Thank you for joining us all. I hope you have a good night, and we'll talk to you next time. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.